0: Welcome to the broadcast of Riverside Church in Princeton, North Carolina. Riverside Church preaching Christ and Him crucified. For more information, check out our website at www.riversidefwb.com. You can go to uh, riversidefwb.com and listen. Uh, We're also going to be recording for television. But Adam is not very soft-spoken, but I've got his microphone right here for those who like a little bit of a loud church. I know you are used to me yelling in your face. Adam can do that, but we've got this for backup. If you can't hear him, you need to say, I can't hear you, preacher, and we'll make sure this microphone gets cut off. Would you welcome Adam Street here to say...
1: Well, I would like to thank Kevin for uh, the invitation. Um, Kevin is a good friend of mine. I remember when I was just a little boy, two or three years old, sitting in my mama's lap, I would go and hear Kevin preach, and he would just (laughs) preach the Word of God. I like to kid Kevin. I've only known Kevin about three years, but uh, he and I have become really good friends, and uh, he is a godly man, and so you are blessed as a pastor. And I ask for your prayers uh, at the church wire pastor as well. Uh, We're in the process of having church revitalization and just bringing the church back where it needs to be to be gospel-centered again and to be out in the community. Now, if uh, if my pages turn a little bit, I've got a little fan under here, so just bear with me. But tonight, I'm going to be reading two texts, and we're going to be looking at those. The first one's out of 2 Timothy, so I invite you to turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and we're going to look at verses 14 into the fourth chapter through verse 4. And then we're going to go to 2 Peter. So I'm going to go ahead and read both of those so that if the Lord decides to take me home, at least His word will get read before I go here. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 to get us started. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and will wander off into myths. Now I'm going to flip over. You don't have to flip, but if you want to, you're welcome to. I'm going to read Second Peter chapter 1, 18 through 21. The Word of God says this, We ourselves heard this voice, this very voice, born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain by the Holy Spirit. May God bless the reading of His Word. Recently a popular pastor on Twitter said the following words, the Christian faith does not rise and fall on the accuracy of 66 ancient documents. It rises and falls on the identity of a single individual, Jesus of Nazareth. Now of course this sounds good on the surface, but it was a controversial statement because it was untrue. You say, what's wrong with that? Well, This pastor later took that down, but what this demonstrates is that we have strayed so far from biblical Christianity we can't even understand what biblical Christianity is anymore. We've lost our way. We are not people of the Word. As your pastor said earlier, this is the five solas revival. And we're talking about sola scriptura tonight, or scripture alone. And if we go back in time, at the time when this reformation happened, the Catholic Church held all the cards. They held all the Bibles. The Bible was not for the common man. What the church said went. If the Bible agreed with it, fantastic, but if not it didn't matter because they were the authority. And the reformers said, no that's not right. Scripture must be the only authority. It must be the ultimate authority. And so this Reformation took place where you and I this evening, hold up your Bible if you got it tonight. That's a privilege tonight, church. You have that because of what happened at the Reformation. It took the Bible and it put it in your hands. And it meant that you yourself, you don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to your pastor to find out about Jesus. You don't have to go to your pastor to find out how do I be a better Christian. You have the Word of God and you can approach it. You can approach the throne of God. You can hear from the voice of God and you can mine the riches of Scripture. I encourage you to do that. It's an incredible privilege but it's a privilege that today in 2022 we don't act like we have or we don't use that privilege. It's because we're enlightened individuals today. We're educated human beings that roam the earth. We don't have any need of an ancient book to tell us what to do or how to live or tell us that it's any different than any other books. But that's not just outside the church. You say, boy, the heathens live that way. We don't live that way in the church, but we do sometimes. We begin to ask questions, and some of them are good questions, and some of them are doubtful questions. We begin saying, can I really trust these books? Isn't this just what man wrote? Isn't this just the opinions of some out-of-date, misogynistic men of a culture long ago who promote injustice and inequality? Isn't enough for me to live by? Isn't there more? Isn't there a way I can hear God? And all of these things, while we are not called to be devoid of questions, we are to question, we are to look at God's Word and say, why did God write this? What is God saying to me? Can I see what's going on? All of those things are good, but sometimes we begin to undermine God's Word. And I want us to look at these two passages tonight and answer the question, can you trust the Word of God? Now everyone in here I'm sure would say, yes, I can trust the Word of God. But when the rubber meets the road, when someone challenges your faith, when you begin to see those things and those things come bombarding to you in everyday life, we begin to get shaky on this area. So I want you to know tonight that you can trust this. It's not just a guidebook. It's not just a different way. It is the very Word of God you must live your life by. So let's dive into the Scriptures. First of all, and we will start looking in the passage of Timothy here, We can trust the Word of God, or rather, we know the Word of God is the final word because it is trustworthy. Look what he says in chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and fully believed, knowing from who you learned it. And from childhood, how you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul was writing, of course we know, to a young pastor named Timothy. Pastors need other pastors. I'm thankful for my brother over there. He keeps me humble. He, he shows me my faults. He, but he encourages me too. And he was talking to him about the evil that is intensifying outside the church and that is creeping inside. And he's telling him to press on. And he says, you can trust the word of God because it is credible. He talks about sacred writings here in the verse 15. He says, the sacred writings in the Old Testament. Now, something we need to realize tonight. The Old Testament didn't just fall out of the sky. In fact, you have a Bible because of years and years. We're talking centuries of Hebrew scholars in the Old Testament. We'll get to the new in just a moment. But they passed along. They wrote it. And they were meticulous about keeping it. You can trust the Old Testament. And... Hebrew, Bibles began, uh, Hebrew boys rather, began studying this word at age 5. And he said, you know this word. You know it's been passed down. You know it's trustworthy. We ought to know also that by the time of Jesus walking the earth in flesh, that the Hebrew Bible as we know it... Was settled. Many people will say, well, there's lost books. There's books that they didn't include in there. That's not true. Those books are lost because they don't contain anything that will save you. They are wrong. They are not supposed to be in there. You have the complete Bible you are supposed to have this evening. And by the time of Jesus, Jesus affirmed all of these Bibles. He talked about the law. He talked about the poetry. He talked about the history. And all of the epistles and the apostles bear that out. You say, well, what about the New Testament? That's good about the sacred writings of the Old Testament, but what about the New Testament? What about all these variations in Matthew and then Mark and Luke? Weren't these just all written? Aren't they just like other ancient documents? No, they're not. In fact, the New Testament was written, and the Gospels in particular, 30 to 40 years after Jesus was crucified. That meant that anyone living could have said, that's not the way it happened. I was there. I saw this. I've been to the tomb. I've seen the body of Jesus. None of that is happening. That is a lie, but that didn't happen because of the accuracy. You need to know this evening that the New Testament has more copies surviving than any other ancient document of that time. We have over 5,000 manuscripts that are still in existence. Not even the Iliad, the Odyssey, or any writings about Alexander the Great can share that. Yeah in fact, scholars say that we can recreate the original text of the New Testament with a 92.6% accuracy. It is dead on. You have the Bible that you are supposed to have. Don't listen to the Da Vinci Code. Don't listen to all these lost gospels that are people are telling you that it was just made up, it was just man's idea. You have the Bible and it's credible. But also of cause of what it accomplishes. And this, this devil's in the fan tonight, brother, is trying to get me. Yeah, I may end up in Exodus before it's over, but we'll just keep on because it's all in God's Word. Now, Exodus is in the other direction. this blowing me into Revelation. What am I talking about this evening? But because of what it accomplishes, verse 15, he says, you are acquainted with these sacred writings, and they are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The thing about this book is it's not just information. A few years ago, I was working a secular job. I was in between churches, and I was reading my Bible. It's something I did every day on break. And a gentleman asked me, he said, why do you read that book every day? I said, because it gives me something. I lead my life by He said, but you've read it before. I said, oh, many times. He said, I get tired of reading the same book. I said, no, you don't understand. I said, this isn't just a book. This isn't a novel. This is the living, breathing Word of God. He looked at me crazy, but it is. And the purpose of the entire Bible is not just to give you a history. It's to give you a person. It's to tell you about the central figure of all of creation, and that is Jesus Christ. I think we need to know that in the church. Sometimes in popular Christianity, we think we're the central figure of everything. We think, what has God done for me? What did I get out of the pastor's sermon? Why didn't that music please me today? When are we going to do what I like. It's not about you, church. We don't come to worship you, church. We come to worship Jesus and it's about Him. Amen. I like it here. They amen. I like this. This is good. I'll come back again. But God's Word does exactly what it's designed to do, and it's designed to point you to Jesus. It's to tell us that you and I were created in a perfect world, but you sinned, and I sinned, and our father and mother, Adam and Eve, sinned, and we were cast into rebellion, but God the Creator made a way. We call this the doctrine of infallibility. It means that Scripture does not fail. God's Word does not fail. I will preach tonight. You may not come. You may not respond. You may say, Preacher, we never want you to come back. That's okay because God's Word will accomplish Amen. its purpose. You can put your trust in this because it's not about text. It's about a person. Amen. But secondly, I want to share with you tonight that God's word is the final word and you can believe it because it is sufficient. Listen to what he says in verse 16. Now I told you to underline. Now if you're one of those folks that don't underline in your Bibles, you think it's too holy, that's okay. Just stare at that word for a few minutes, okay? All. All Scripture, not the parts that I like, not the parts that I don't like, but all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. You see, the purpose of God's Word also is to bring you into maturity. I've heard people say this before. You know, that's what Paul said, though. Oh yeah. These are the words of Jesus, because they're they're red, by the way. You know, you know the red ones are the important ones. But that was Paul's opinion. You know what Paul said about women? That was his opinion. You know what Paul said about uh, head coverings? That was his opinion. You know what Paul said about the church and and who should be qualified? That was his opinion. Yes. Let me tell you tonight, the Bible says that all of Scripture is God's Word. That means the words in the Old Testament are God's Word. That means the word in the New Testament. That means when Titus, uh, or when Paul was writing to Titus, uh, that is all God's Word. Every bit of it is God's Word. In fact, what that means is it says all Scripture, and maybe in your translation it says is inspired, but literally it is breathed out. That means every letter, every word, every line, Every page, every single chapter is exhaled by the Word of God, by the mouth of God. That's what we call the doctrine of inspiration tonight. Not only is the Bible infallible, but it is inspired. And it is penned by men, but God breathed it out. We'll get to that just a little bit later as well. But look what it accomplishes. Verse 16 it says it's breathed out and it's profitable. It does a good thing. It is profitable for teaching. We all need some teaching. We need some reproof. I know I need some reproof. Some correction and training in righteousness. These are all educational terms that Paul uses. Because we are here to learn. I hope you're not here because this is the thing to do. Because there's other things that we could be doing. I hope you're here to learn about Jesus. You know, we have the express privilege in the United States or uh, one of the countries in the world where we can open our Bibles and we can have our Bibles and we can learn about God. But there are people that are hiding underground having to look at maybe just a page and that's all they ever have and they have to learn that. That's all they ever have. But you and I, we can come here and we can learn the Word of God. I hope that you are learning and you are knowing what God gives you and it says that we will be fully equipped verse 17 that the man of God and that's for you too ladies that you may be complete it doesn't leave anything out I heard someone say recently I wish God would tell me what he wants me to do have you ever said that I've got a decision to make and I want God to tell me what he wants me to do And that's a good thing. I think we ought to seek what God wants us to do. But the reply was, well, why don't you try reading his word? And the man said, no, I want to hear it audibly. And the man said, well, why don't you read the word of God out loud? Then you can hear the word of God. Now, we have to understand something. The Bible's not going to tell you specifics about everything. How many single men have we got here tonight? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Okay. God's Word is not going to tell you who to marry one day. Okay. I know some of you don't look at your spouse and say, Boy, I wish it would have. But don't say that tonight. But God's Word will not tell you where you're supposed to go to college. God's Word will not tell you today, am I going to Burger King or McDonald's? But the thing about it is that as you are in God's Word, you will know the mind of God. You will understand how God thinks. You understand what God wants you to do. And you can be better informed and be walking in the Spirit. And you can know, this is where God wants me to go today. But you can also rest in that God is sovereign. And if God doesn't want me to go down this way, He's going to make it where I'm going to go down that way. God's Word will never let you down. But also... It is to able to keep us from stumbling he starts out uh, at the beginning of four here I'm gonna have to take a drink of this mm. excuse me he starts out in verse 1 telling uh, young Timothy to continue preaching the word and then verse 2 he says preach the word in season and out of season We'll pick up in verse 3. It says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Paul tells him the time is coming said, people are listening to the word of God now, but there's a time coming when they won't listen. Now, I know every age of history could say that time is now. And in fact, we can say that time is now too. The Bible, people tell us, is out of date. It's archaic. It's oppressive. It's not my truth. It is on the wrong side of history. And the Bible says, Paul's telling them that these people will accumulate Teachers, they will heap them up to tell them what they want. We have the most. therapeutic culture of all time. It's all about me. It's all about making me feel good. Don't offend me. You better apologize to me. You better make it up to me. I'm going to go to the high priest Oprah for advice. I'm going to get a self-help thing or we're going to turn to prosperity gospel where God is all about me and what I want and God is a genie and it's all about me. And Paul is saying the time is coming when they will make it all about them. Dear church, don't make it all about you. We have experts, even in the church, affirming transgender and homosexual unions and pastors. We can no longer define what is a woman. We have a man competing on a woman swim team and we celebrate it. We have a man serving in the cabinet of the United States that is a transgender woman and is called the woman of the year. It is because we have lost our minds we have lost the anchor and we have wandered off into this madness. And the sufficiency of Scripture says if you will get into the Word of God it will keep you from getting into all of this. You see, what we don't understand is is the world is catechizing us. The world is preaching. The world is teaching us. The world says we don't believe in religion. Don't you listen to them. The world is telling you this is what you believe. This is how you offer your penance. This is how you absolve your guilt. And you had better live this way or you will face condemnation. You see, it's another gospel. They're just stealing from us. But God's Word is able to make us into the image of Christ and keep us from that. But then finally, the Word of God is authoritative. And this is where we're going to turn over to 2 Peter let's turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 19 through 21 the word of God is greater than our experiences what you notice in verse 18, what he says, Peter's, and you know, he's finishing up something he's talking to, and, and I kind of cut in the middle of it. But he says, we ourselves, he's talking about the apostles, heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were all with him on the holy mountain. Peter walked the earth with Jesus Christ. What, what a testimony. Peter saw... The breaking of the bread for the 5,000. Peter saw the calming of the storm. The raising of Lazarus. Peter saw the empty tomb. And Peter here is talking about the transfiguration. One of the greatest things that ever happened while Jesus was on the earth. All of these things. And he is saying, I was there. But I want you to notice what he says. Verse 19 says, And we have the prophetic word, that's the word of God, more conformed. Pay attention to that. Now what does that mean for us? What, uh, what Peter is saying is that even if we have all of these things, even if I saw all these things, even if I tell you from my mouth what Jesus did, you need to pay attention to the word because it even has more authority than my words. Listen, I've had some experiences with Jesus. I've been on the mountaintop. I've prayed and saw God do wonderful things. But none of that compares to what the Word of God is. You see, today though, what we want to do is we want to elevate experience above truth. Everyone's experience. I had an experience. In fact, we do this in the church, don't we? I had an experience with the Lord. And I want you to have an experience with the Lord, but I want it to be tethered into Scripture. I have people say, I saw a sun. Uh I was was getting ready for work the other day, and I saw a cloud, and it had a shape like Jesus. And that told me that I needed to go down, and I needed to make this decision. Uh Folks, that could just be a cloud. I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to you but I am going to tell you that if it does not match up with God's word God did not speak to you a few years ago I heard someone say you know what I made a decision to move and I didn't know if I was going to move or not and I was going down the road and I saw a sign that said the king's highway this way and I thought God has told me to go on the king's highway and this is the way I should go and that was one of the worst mistakes of that person's life But the experience has to be under God's Word. Listen to what he says about the power of God's Word. He says, the Word is more fully conformed to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. That's because God's Word can do what no other thing can do. You can get knowledge out of books. You can become educated, but you can't see out of the darkness until you open this Word. People are not saved apart from reading God's Word. People do not suddenly wake up one day and say, You know what? There must be a God. I want to become a Christian. I want to put my faith in Christ. People have to hear the Word of God. Preaching and the Word of God is the way in which people come to know Jesus Christ. It is the only way. It is the God-ordained way, and it is what we believe. But also because of its origin. Look what he says in verse 20. He said, Know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now we've already talked about this, that the Bible is not a collection of ancient stories. It's not chicken soup for the soul. It's not Reader's Digest. It's not even open windows. It is the living, breathing Word of God and none of it came from the mind of a man. That's right. We call this a doctrine of inerrancy. This means that the entire Bible from front to back is without error. Now, there's a lot of people in church that will say, I believe the Bible is inspired. I believe the Bible is infallible. It does what? But I can't believe that it's in error. It's got to have some errors. It doesn't match up with some of the things I believe. It doesn't match up with some of the things that the world says. So what I'm going to do is I must make the Bible fit what the world says. And that's not what we're called to do, dear church. We're called to submit everything to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God. In all matters, it is without error. Verse 21 says this, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know, this is a beautiful picture of what inspiration is. It's a picture of a boat that raises its sails on a windy day. And that wind so fills up that sail and it begins to push that boat in the direction and drive it where the wind wants to take it. That's what happened when men wrote the Bible. Men penned it, but God so superintended it that it is perfect. It is accurate and it is authoritative. I want to tell you tonight, you can trust this word. You can believe this word. It is inerrant. It is infallible. It is in in inspired, and it is 100% trustworthy. You can find Jesus Christ in this book. You can trust to it with all matters of salvation. I don't know you folks tonight. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that you're human beings, and I know that you hurt. I know that you have loneliness. I know some of you, your lives are a mess. I know some of you may have married trouble that your pastor doesn't even know about. I know some of you wish your children would talk to you. I know some of you watch the news every day, and you think. it's getting worse and worse and worse and when is it ever going to end? Is Ukraine going to, this going to happen there? Is it going to happen in the U.S.? Will these prices ever stop skyrocketing? Am I going to be able to afford things for my family? But I want to tell you the Word of God can comfort you. And you and I can go to this Word. It is Trustworthy. So I want you to hear tonight that you can go to the Word of God and the Word of God can breathe life back into the church again. This is called a revival and you can't manufacture revival. You can't bring great speakers in to have a revival. You can't bring a church back to life with a speaker. You can't just do enough programs to bring a church back to life. But revival comes when the church grabs a hold of Scripture and says, this alone is what I will hold on to. I will live by, it. I will die by, it, and I will make all my decisions based by, it. I will vote by, it. I will do business by, it. this is the word of God and I will live by it alone. Amen. I'm going to turn it over to your pastor because I don't think I can talk anymore. <laughs> but I want you to go out of here knowing that this is God's word and you should never ever doubt it and you can trust every bit of it. Brother Kevin.
0: We heard last night giving all glory to God. God sent Adam here tonight to tell us that we can live our sure foundation on the solid rock, the infallible words of God. Don't trust your gut. Even the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17, verse 39, our hearts are deceitful above all things. When society tells you to trust your heart, we tell you to trust the words of God. Now... On the way to church tonight, one of my children was reading his Bible. He was in the backseat and he read Romans 10, verse 17. And it says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. That's how you build faith and confidence and trust. By hearing the Word of God. That's why you are taking your faith serious and that's why you come tonight to hear the Word of God. And if you want your faith to continue to grow, branch out with groups and bear fruit, you'll continue to listen and adhere to the Word of God. I want to ask us to stand to our feet. I going to ask brothers Brock if you'll close us with prayer tonight. Brock, when you pray tonight we don't expect beautiful following words. We ask you to, to, to speak from your heart to this Jesus whom we trust. Brother Brock. dear Father, day uh, word. Thank you.